The blood covenant is one of the most sacred things in all the world. And as we look at it and, under, and try to understand it as we're here on uh, Palm Sunday and the things that are going on, there's so much that you and I need to relate to as we try to understand what it is that God has done for us in Christ Jesus, as we understand all the principles that are involved in that together as we look together. It, it's something that was conceived in the heart of God before the very beginning of time and carried out in Christ Jesus when he walked upon this earth and went to the cross and died for you and for me for the sins that we had committed in our lives and all that was there and being a part of it. It's a very special covenant. It's, it's the most sacred covenant in, of all the covenants. It's so sacred that if any party breaks the covenant, that person must die. It's not just like making a promise to someone like so many of us do and then break those promises and don't even have a second thought about it. But rather it's such a serious covenant that either party that breaks that covenant, the penalty is death. Regardless, there's no excuses, there's no outs, there's no second chances, you break the covenant. And so how can you and I, sinful people, ever even conceive of the idea that we could enter into a blood covenant with God, our creator, perfect, without sin, without anything in him that would in any way give the suggestion that there would be the possibility that he would break that covenant, that he would do anything wrong within the concept of that covenant as we look at it and as we see all the things that are going on as we look at it and try to understand. It's what, con it's what forever and always distinguishes our God from every would-be God, every philosophy, every religion that the Satan made to conceive in all the lives of people. This sets Christianity. This sets the relationship of a man with God through Christ apart from everything else that exists upon the face of the earth. It's so real, it's so powerful in the things that God talks about and deals with it. We're going to look in Genesis chapter 15 and verses 9 through 12 and then skip over to verse 17 in just a moment. But I, I just want you to understand, and I, and, I, and I covet your prayers because I have no right in, in, in my feebleness to stand. You see, when we enter into this attempt to understand the blood covenant of God with man, we, we enter into the holy of holies of God's interpretation. We enter into most sacred ground, and yet God invites us to come meet with him and allow him to open up what it means and in my feeble attempts to be able to express what God is saying to us and in the efforts that I might make, I, I can only pray that the Holy Spirit this morning will, will take these words and somehow bring them into your heart, into your mind, and, and allow you to reach deep into your own understanding and grasp a truth here that's so amazing and so true that it changes everything about eternity. And we need to hear and grasp that this morning as we look at it, and say, I'm going to invite you to stand with me as we read from the scripture, Genesis chapter 15. This is dealing with Abraham. At this time, Abram, as we still, name hasn't been changed yet. But we begin reading in verse 9 and reading through verse 12, and then we'll skip over to verse 17 as we get to that place and have the opportunity. The scripture says, so he said to him, this is God speaking to Abram, bring me a three-year-old heifer and a three-year-old female goat, and a three-year-old ram, and a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. And Then he brought all these to him, and he cut them in two, and laid each half opposite the other. But he did not cut the birds. The birds, 
but the other he did, and cut as he did. Then the birds of prey came down upon the carcasses, and Abram drove them away. Now when the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abram, and behold, a terror and a great darkness fell upon him. And then move over to verse 17, and the scripture goes on to say, It came about when the sun had set, that it was very dark, and behold, these appeared a smoking oven and a flaming torch which passed between the pieces. Would you pray with me? Father, this morning I know that I'm not worthy to, to speak on this and, and to come into this place with the understanding of what an, a, 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 an amazing act that you have performed for us, what you have done for us in your heart even before creation, knowing what it would cost you to bring us into being, bring mankind into existence, and yet you did that because you wanted to have a fellowship with, uh, with mankind and, and you wanted us to walk with you in all of eternity and to have that kind of a life. And yet we sinned as you knew that we would. But already you had prepared a means, an answer, a remedy to that which we did. And here we see illustrated that amazing act that making that covenant, that standing with man and choosing to enter into a covenant with sinful mankind, knowing that we could never uphold our end of the bargain, knowing that we couldn't do what we covenanted with you to do, and knowing what the outcome would be. You did it anyway because you loved us so much. So I pray this morning, Father, that you would just help us to see that and understand that. I pray that, Father, if there's anyone that's here listening or viewing, anyone that has never truly, genuinely understood and accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of their life, that somehow that you would penetrate every one of their excuses and all the fallacies that they've tried to believe and hold up. Father, all the things that they've used as a reason not to yield their heart to Christ, I pray you'd just shatter those this morning. Father, break their hearts with the understanding of how great is your love. How amazing is what it is that you did for us. That we might be forgiven of our sin. That we might enter into a relationship with you for all eternity. Because you loved us so very much. So speak to our hearts, I pray. In Christ's name, amen. You may be seated. See, as I said, the blood covenant originated... In the heart of God, even before the creation of time. The scripture teaches us that in a number of places. The book of Revelation it talks about the fact that even before the foundation of the earth, Christ was sacrificed for the sakes of mankind and the things that would be going on. And then in a point in time in history, when it was just right, according to Galatians 4.4, the Bible says at that very moment, when it was exactly the right time in the heart of God for him to carry out his plan, Jesus Christ was born upon the earth. He came exactly when God had determined would be the right time, the best time for him to be here and to be a part of that time as he came to be a part of what was going on as we look at it and as we understand it. Civilization is always understood. It's always been a part of what goes on, even as the book of Leviticus tells us, that, that life is in the blood. And we know that and we understand that in all civilizations and all people, no matter what their beliefs or cultures or may be, understand that life is in the blood. It's the, the very lifeblood is what gives us life. And how we live day by day is the realization of that as we understand and as we go on and as we're a part of that. But due to the sinfulness of mankind, 
we were separated from God. And, and there's nothing that we can do. So God had to do something for us that we couldn't do for ourselves. God had to do that which could only be done by God himself. Because, you see, if you and I had any part in our salvation, if we had any part in this great plan that was offered, it would be tainted by our sin and it wouldn't be useful. It wouldn't be able to be used of God. It wouldn't be acceptable before God as we look at it. And so it goes all the way back to the garden. And there you'll remember when Adam and Eve chose to, to flee from God and to chase after Satan and let Satan be the master of their hearts instead of God be the master of their hearts, God even there began, you'll remember, by sacrificing an animal and clothing them and covering him, them with his grace and making a promise that he one day would bring a Messiah, would bring one who would come, who would be the answer to the sin problem of the world and the things that were going on. They couldn't do anything about it, but God did it. And all through the Old Testament, we read about these sacrifices that went on over and over, the shedding of blood. Without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sins, the scripture says. And so over and over, sacrifice after sacrifice, day in and day out, all through the hundred Hundreds of years, animals were sacrificed to cover over the sins of mankind. But that's all they could do. They could just cover over it. They couldn't take away the guilt. They couldn't take away the burden. They couldn't take away the reality that I'm a sinner and the things that go on. They couldn't remove the guilt of mine. They couldn't remove the fact that I deserve to die and that one day I will die because of my sinfulness and what was there and be separated from God forever. They could only give me peace with God for a moment. And then it had to be done again. And then again. And then again, and it had to be done over and over and over again because we're sinners. And we don't live lives according to what God wants us to live. We don't do the things God wants us to do. And so we need those promises. But, but God had made a promise that he was going to do something for us that would eliminate the need of a sacrificial system. That would take away the need to continually offer sacrifices all the time because something that would be done was so amazing, so great, so beyond man's imagination that it would allow mankind to give up that system in order to put their trust in a, in a man, a savior, a God, who would be the one who would do for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. And, and that's what was going on. And so when we look at this passage in Abraham that I just read about Abram, Things that goes on, what we're looking at is, is God is meeting with Abram. And he's talking to him and he's sharing with him about the promise that he's already made him. You'll remember that he told Abram that he would be the father of great nation. And that his descendants would be so many. He, he tells him in this passage, if you were to go back and read a few verses ahead of time, look at the sky and count all the stars that you can count and your descendants will be greater than that. And he's promising that and Abraham's saying, well how can I? How can I believe you? I don't even have a son. I don't even have a descendant. How can I take you at your word? And, and they're in that process when God tells him to take these animals and to use them to form a covenant relationship with him in what is going on. And so that's what the purpose of what was happening here as we look at it. See, he, he takes them and he tells him to cut these animals in half. And when they do, what a blood covenant was, those animals that it mentioned that he cut in half, he took them and he put one half on one side and one half on the other side, and they laid them there, and obviously the blood would flow into the center as they, were die, as they were there and being a part of it. And the idea of the blood covenant was that each person in the covenant would walk through the blood between those animals, and that would form that special covenant relationship that they were dealing with. That would develop that, it would say, we have covenanted together, and if I break this covenant, I'll die. And if you break the covenant, you die. That's simply what it was. But it, what happened was amazing. See, what God did when he told him to get those sacrifices ready, to get it parked there so they could have this blood covenant with what relationship, God caused Abram to fall asleep. 
And in his sleep, he, he gives him the understanding and the vision of what's going on. And what does God do? God himself walks through the blood for God and for Abram. He takes both sides of the covenant. The only God could do that. Only God could be the one that did it. So God was walk as He walked through that covenant for Abram. He was saying to Abram and saying to all of us, "If mankind sins, I will die. If I sin, I will die. Regardless of what happens, God put His life on the line and said, if, if there's sin, if the covenant is broken in any fashion by man or by God, God dies.'" It's that simple, was what the covenant was all about. As we look at it, you see, it, it comes to a better understanding. We see it demonstrated somewhat in the life of Abraham later when his name has been changed and he's Abraham and he does have a son. And you'll remember God said to him, take your son, your only son, and take him up to the mountain and sacrifice him to me. And so Abraham takes Isaac and he takes him to the mountain. He tells the men at the bottom of the mountain as they wait, he takes his son Isaac in the wood that they need. And they head up the mountain for the sacrifice. He tells the men there, wait, we'll be back. He doesn't know how it's going to happen. He's fixing to offer his son to God, but he believes somehow God's going to do, bring a miracle about. He's going to resurrect his son. He's going to do something because God had promised that his son was the descendant through whom all these promises that God had made would happen. And he just believed God. I don't know how it's going to happen. I don't know what's going to work, but I believe God. And so he takes him. And you remember Isaac on the way up says, Dad? Uh, we got wood, and we got a knife, and we got the fire. Where's the sacrifice? And you'll remember what Abraham said in a prophetic, amazing word. God will provide the lamb. And you know the story. As he's there, Isaac tied up, and Abraham about to take his life, God stops him and renews his promises to him and the things that are being a part of that. See, look at that. See, God already knew it wasn't going to do any good for Abraham to die, Isaac to die. That wasn't, even though that's what was deserved because of the covenant, they had already broken the blood covenant over and over and over again. He knew that something different had to be done, and he's giving a picture, he's giving an illustration. God will provide. God will provide. And so we see him saying that, we, and we understand that, and we see in the book of Isaiah in chapter 53 the picture that God gives Isaiah of that provision of the lamb that would be provided and all the things that were going on. We see John the Baptist saying in the book of John as he sees Jesus coming to him, Behold, the Lamb of God, which takes away the sins of the world. We hear God saying through Paul in Romans chapter 5 and verse 8, God demonstrated his love to us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. First, Second Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 21 reminds us that God made him, Jesus Christ, to be sin so that you and I would not have to become that sin that was judged and put to death, but God himself became that and we were dressed in the righteousness of God because of what Jesus Christ did. So how, how does all that work? What, what's all that mean when we, when we see the enactment of that, when we see the fulfillment, the understanding of what God's doing? God makes this blood sacrifice with Abram, and God himself walks through it without allowing Abram to do so, because if Abram had walked through it, mankind would have to die. But God walked through it, and God walked through it alone for both man and God. Man sinned. 
And God's holy and God's just and God's righteous in order for him to be God, in order for him to be holy and righteous and maintain the character that is his, the covenant has to be fulfilled. It has to be done. Otherwise, God's not God, and, and the Word of God's not dependable, and nothing that God says and nothing that God is could ever mean anything to anyone ever at all. But rather, instead, God does something amazing. God does something miraculous. And on that day that we now call Palm Sunday, that we've been celebrating today, which is the day in which the people coming to Jerusalem for the Passover, it was that day that they would choose their Passover lamb. They would choose the lamb that would be sacrificed. So God presents His lamb to the people of Israel, to the world. He presents His lamb on that Palm Sunday. That's what we're celebrating today is that God in His great love for us, God in His great action to, for us, comes to us in Christ Jesus, the one Himself, God pure and whole in everything that He is, and God presents Himself in Christ Jesus as the Lamb of sacrifice, as the one who would give His life in the covenant relationship was there. See, the only thing that could happen, because the covenant had been broken, and man deserves to die, and the wages of sin is death, the Bible says, but... The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, His Son. And that was what happened. The Lamb came. Jesus Christ came. As He came, the Bible tells us that He came to mankind and He came with the purpose of dying for our sin. He came to be the fulfillment of the covenant. See, God had walked through the covenant. And God had walked through the covenant for God. And God had walked through the covenant for me. And I sinned. And I deserved to die. But God did it Himself. He went through the covenant without me going through the covenant. It was blood covenant with God and God so that when man sinned, when I sinned, God Himself had to die. That's the only way it could be right. Because He was the one who went through the covenant. God had to die. And so in Jesus Christ, when He came as God, the God-man, fully God, fully man, as He came and lived without sin and lived a perfect life and was taken to the cross to be sacrificed for our sins, it was God fulfilling the covenant of God dying for my sin. That's what it's all about, folks. That God so loved you and so loved me that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever would believe in Him wouldn't perish. Why? Because God perished in our place. But have everlasting life. What an amazing story. What a great truth that we have, that we're celebrating, that we do today, when we celebrate the wonder that God has come to us, that He presented Himself to us in Christ Jesus, and He, give, he gave us the Lamb that was the perfect sacrifice, the Lamb that would finally and forever be the once-for-all sacrifice, so there never, ever again need to be another sacrifice. There would never, ever again need to be another time in which someone would have to atone for someone else's sin because God did it all in Christ Jesus. It was all taken care of. Every sin that you've committed, every sin that you will commit, every sin that's ever been a part was paid for in what Jesus Christ did upon the cross. But for me to understand it, for me to have it in my life, for me to have that forgiveness, for me to be right with God and eternally a part of His family, I have to receive that sacrifice into my own life. I can know about it. I can say, man, that's an amazing thing that God did. But until I come to the point in my own personal life and say, I'm the one that should have died. I'm the one that sinned. I'm the one that deserves the punishment of God and the separation from God for all eternity. But because God loved me so much, He did for me what I couldn't do for myself. 
And I believe today with everything within me that what God did in Christ Jesus is sufficient to cover my sin and acceptable before a holy God to pay the just price of sin so that I never have to be condemned in my life. For the Bible says in Romans 8, 1, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. How's that possible? Because he took all the condemnation upon himself that I might be forgiven, that I might be justified, made right with God, whole, acceptable in all things that's going on. That's what this Sunday's about. It's about God presenting himself to us in Christ Jesus as the perfect sacrifice to fulfill a covenant that he made hundreds of years before with Abram when he walked through the blood for me and for you. Knowing that as he walked through, he would have to die because he did it for me. He walked through on my behalf, upon your behalf. And he knew what it would cost him. And he did it anyway. He did it anyway. Because he loves you so much. And he longs for you to know what it is to be forgiven. And he longs for you to know what it is to be a child of the living God. And he longs for you to know that there is a heaven that is prepared exactly for you. And he longs for you to know that one day when he comes again, that you will be with him eternally forever, forgiven, always in the presence of the living God. And a life that he planned for all of us before sin came, which he has restored by the blood covenant. Today we celebrate a God who loved us so very much that he offered himself in our behalf. And he died to fulfill the covenant, to make the promise true. So you and I never have to. What a great, great God we have. Would you pray with me? Father, I pray this morning, I ask for forgiveness. I, I know, Father, there's no way that that what I said could bring justice to what you did, what, that, what grace, what mercy, what love. God, I just pray somehow that by the spirit of your living God, you would just have touched my heart and the hearts of those who are here and listening, Father, and made us aware again of how great your love is for us, how you demonstrated that love to us so that we don't have to ever ask, is it real? Can we trust it? Is it something this man made up to make themselves feel good? No, but the reality is, that you loved us and gave yourself for us because we broke covenant relationship with you. But you want it restored. You want it healed. And it is by the stripes, by the beatings, by the things that Christ went through that that healing can come, that we can be right with you. Father, I, I don't know the needs of everyone here, but you do. And I pray somehow this morning, Father, that as I've already asked, that you would break through barriers and reach into hearts and make a difference in each one of our lives this morning. That we wouldn't just walk away as though 
nothing has happened and nothing has changed and and I know there's something there that I should do. I know that God was speaking to me, but I, I'm not going to do anything about that. I, Father, I just pray your Holy Spirit would just move such a powerful way right now that if there's anyone or several, whoever, whatever, that need genuinely to get right with you and trust you as Lord and Savior of their life, not talking about being a member of a church, won't do them a bit of good not talking about how much scripture they know, how faithful they've been or anything else. It's about being right with you through faith in Jesus Christ. If they haven't put their whole life and commitment in you through Christ and trusted what he did for them upon the cross, then they're lost, separated from you. And the condemnation that stands upon all those who are guilty is still upon them. But the scripture says very clearly that those who do not believe in Jesus Christ are condemned already. God, help us to accept the grace. Help us to accept the mercy. Help us to accept what you did for us. And for those of us who have done that, who, who understand, who have grabbed hold of that salvation, who have rejoiced in the wonder of your grace and your love, Father, help us to understand how imperative it is that we keep telling the story that we keep sharing the love, that we keep helping people to see how desperately they need to accept that truth in their own lives. Father, whatever our needs are, this is your invitation. It's not mine. I have nothing to offer. It's not this church's. We can't do anything for anybody. But you've done everything that needs to be done in Christ Jesus, and you invite now us to come to you for salvation, to come to you for a recommitment of our lives, to come to you for forgiveness because we've not been faithful to the promises that we've been making to each other or to you. Father, there's so many things that we might need to get right. Forgiveness of one another. Father, getting rid of the roots of bitterness in our lives, whatever it may be, you're ready and willing and able to meet us where we are and to give us what we need. And I pray that we'll surrender and offer ourselves to you for you to bring that healing that we need in our own lives. And I pray that in Christ's name. Amen.